Hey, it's Danielle Renee, and you're listening to the Everyday Christlike Podcast, where we focus on representing Christ each and every day. Be blessed as you listen. Hey, what's up? I'm Danielle Renee, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's just with a heavy heart today that I'm I'm sharing with you all. I recently learned that uh, one of our ministry mentors has has uh, gone on to to be with the Lord uh, after several days of fighting against this new uh, coronavirus. It's a it's a sobering position to be in as we head into September where our topic for this month is is all on being an overcomer and it's it's a tough place to to find myself trying to find something of value to share about overcoming in in reality you guys i feel uh, so much sorrow but lord i know that you are faithful. Your word says that you are our ever-present help. Lord, always there. I know that you are not distant, even in the midst of this. You are not indifferent. And Father God, this is one of those moments where, in our weakness, you get to demonstrate your strength. And so I ask you, Father God, to strengthen me, to be able to articulate what you've given me, I'm asking for a a fresh anointing, a new anointing. I'm asking that you come in, not just in my own life, Lord. You know the hurts and the needs of your people. Come in in every situation where there is lack, where there is need, and show up in a mighty way, in a way that only you can. In your mighty name, we pray. Now, as I shared, we're going to be speaking this month on being an overcomer. And I've heard this topic taught many different ways, and I'm sure that some of the uh, other contributors are going to offer their insights and expertise and the things that God has showed to them. And it's going to be a well-rounded series. I have no doubt of that. But what I want to speak on today is overcoming by way of coming under overcoming by way of coming under that when we come under the lordship we trust the sovereign nature of god that we are empowered to overcome and step into a shared authoritative position that he has extended to us he has expressly given us power and authority in him that he only shares this position with those that are truly in him You know, as Christians, we spend a great deal of our time dealing with whether or not we're going to go to heaven. And that's certainly an important concern. But I would hate for our Christian experience to be limited to that one focus. I mean, as I study the scriptures, I don't see a, a, a preoccupation exclusively on fire insurance. Instead, I see that there's this common thread of understanding amongst believers that salvation is the starting point of this new life and this new walk in Christ. I mean, we're not saved just for saving's sake, but as we escape the penalty of, of sin in the eternal, we 
do have the privilege of experiencing the intimate relationship with an amazing God here and now. And so if our focus is purely on the starting point, then we're missing out. I have a picture in my mind of this Olympic-sized swimming pool, right? And and the deeper it gets as it gradates into this deep end, the deeper it gets, it transitions, it gets a little bit deeper and a little bit cooler and a little bit more satisfying, a little bit more fulfilling. And yet we're stuck on the stairs in the shallow end. Never getting out and experiencing all that there is in the deep because our entire focus was on the entrance. Now, I believe that God wants us to experience him here and now on this side of heaven. I believe that we have a purpose here and now on this side of heaven to mirror his nature in the earth. And so we're going to spend some time discussing what walking in this relationship really looks like, specifically as it relates to overcoming. How do we navigate the hardships that this life has to offer as we do life in Christ? Now, in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 through 21, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will have enough light to see what is the hope of God's call, what is the richness of God's glorious inheritance among believers, and what is the overwhelming greatness of God's power that is working among believers. What is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. In this prayer, Paul expresses his deep desire for us to really grasp and comprehend the riches of heaven that are already available to us to be experienced here and now. He's expressing his desire that we understand that we don't have to wait until we get to heaven to experience a powerful life in the Lord. And I want you to pay special attention to the way he speaks of power in verse 20 when he says, it's the same power that was on display when Christ was raised from the dead. So we're not talking about just some lackadaisical power. We're not talking about a casual power. No, we're talking about a life-changing power, a resurrecting power, right? The kind of power that can overturn things, the kind of power that takes a dead situation that seems hopeless or a report that seems final and beyond repair and then changes that predetermined outcome and reverses it for his own glory. It says that the richness of God's inheritance, the greatness of God's power is in accordance with that kind of power. The kind of power that was on display when he raised Christ from the dead. And then he goes on to say that he seated him at the right hand of God in heavenly places. Now you need to understand that in scripture, when it speaks of the right hand of God, it's usually being used as a figurative way to express God's dominion and power. 
See, in ancient times, when a person had a high rank or was um, well-trusted, someone that served in close authority to a king, that individual typically stood at the king's right side. And even today, you hear people talk, uh, sometimes uh, young men, they talk about their right-hand man or their wingman. It's, it's an indication of a relationship, a closeness that allows for one to speak on the behalf of another. And likewise, in scripture, the right hand of God relates to this concept of intimacy that allows for authority. So in stating that Christ was raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly places, it's saying that Jesus ascended to heaven and is now sitting in a seat of authority in the spiritual realm. And just to drive the point home, Paul says he's seated far above all rule and authority, above all power and dominion, and every name that is named, not just in this age, but in the one to come. Paul is painting the picture that Christ now has all authority, period. I want you to picture a courtroom and the attorneys across the aisle are battling it out and they're, they're arguing over the facts and, and one offers this objection and one offers that objection. But the judge, he's seated in a position high up on the bench and it's his responsibility to either sustain or overrule those attorney's objections. But however he decides to rule, his rule is absolute. It's the same concept with Jesus. He is now seated in a ruling position next to the Father in total authority to express God's power on our behalf. And nothing, absolutely nothing that opposes him stands a chance. And you say, well, what about all the evil in the earth? What about the, the, the bad things that happen to good people? What about the enemy who just appears to be able to do whatever he wills? Well, I want to remind you what Hebrews 2.14 says. It says, through Christ's death, the power of the devil was broken. So Christ has a divine power that is potent enough to resurrect and turn dead situations back around. But he also has a power that is potent enough to conquer the enemy and all his devices. And if that wasn't good enough, I want you to look what it says in Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. It says, we, you and I have been made alive together. We've been raised up with him. We've been seated with him in these same heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean for the believer? It means that when we come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, we too are spiritually located into a position of authority in him. Now we're still physically here in the earth. We still physically have to overcome the hardships in this life. But spiritually, we share in the same power and authority of Jesus Christ. I want you to think of it like FaceTime. Think of this, the last two years almost of this pandemic and all the businesses and the schools that are going to these video conferencing platforms. And you might be in a meeting with your boss, right? 
And he might be anywhere in the world. He doesn't have to be right there with you and your coworkers or your team. He could be anywhere else in the world. But although he's not physically present, his authority, his influence, his dominion within that company is still evident and it is still absolute regardless of where he's located. We still have to navigate and overcome the here and the now. But we have been elevated through our relationship with Jesus Christ to a spiritually authoritative position. And when we speak, we now have the backing of heaven to conquer and overcome the issues of the present day. But note, note what it says in verse 6. It's only in Christ that we're relocated. Our seat of authority does not flow independent of his lordship. Our ability to move power and dominion when we move in concert with his will. It's only in Christ. The priority thing to remember about walking as an overcomer is that it requires you come under. It requires surrender. I'm sharing on our ability to operate in power and authority. I'm also mourning. And while all of us, hundreds of us, were praying for his absolute healing, absolute restoration, and while we saw seasons where God moved, in the end, what was the will of God was for this individual to go home and be with him. And that's a tough pill to swallow, you guys. And I can remember as a, as a young mom having my son in ICU month after month. I mean, it seemed like every month. And watching him and hearing those bells ping and go off and being in such a place of vulnerability because while I knew that God was able, I also knew that I had made a decision to be subject to his will. And what do you do when his will is outside of what you deem to be good? You know, we like to throw that thing around, Romans 8, 28, that, that God works all things for the good of those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. We like to use that, and when, and when we like to use it with a, with a connotation that is outside of how it was intended to be used, we like to say that as, Lord, I define what is good, and so you then work everything in accordance to what I define as good. But good in that scripture means that which is spiritually beneficial, that which matures us spiritually. So what do you do when the good, that which is spiritually maturing you is not what you want? The power and authority that we have access to in relationship with Christ, it doesn't mean that we get to harness it for our agenda. And I talked about that in my last episode, Galatians 5.13. When Paul was writing to the Galatians and he says, we've been freed for freedom's sake, but but don't let this be a license to just operate in the flesh and serve your flesh, right? God is giving us the privilege of sharing 
the seat of authority and power, the same place that he extends to his son, but he only does it to those who are willing to bend their knee in surrender and say, not my will, but yours be done. And that's a tough place. And so why is this important? Because this month we're talking a lot about overcoming. We overcome. How to overcome. And we could come on the podcast and give you five steps to be an overcomer. We could come and give a practical attempt to persuade you intellectually to find it within yourself to overcome. But scripturally, we overcome through the power of Jesus Christ, which we accessed through surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And it's in our surrender that his peace comes in like a flood. It's in our weakness that his strength is perfected. It's as we throw up our hands and say, Lord, have your way that our lives and our will and our our mind is transformed. Our walk with the Lord does not need to be limited to a life on the steps in the shallow end where we're preoccupied by this fire insurance of where are we going to go when we die? But understand that life out in the deep does require surrender. So what does that look like practically? How, how, how do we how do we do this practically? Well, the term surrender, it it inherently calls for obedience because it acknowledges a lack of control, right? Think of it. When that judge in the courtroom, when they say quiet in the court, you do it. You recognize that you're not the one in the position of power. And so you do as you're told. So the expression of a surrendered life is obedience, obedience to his lordship. That means we relinquish our allegiance to our other masters, whether that master be our reason, whether that master be popular opinion, whether that master is uh, people pleasing in our family, whether that master is other vices, we relinquish our allegiance to those things, anything that opposes the lordship of Jesus Christ, anything that distracts us from the life surrendered to Jesus Christ. And we say, Lord, I will obey you. Wherever you lead, I will follow. And when you, when you make it your life's mission to express through obedience your heart of surrender, that's when the power will become evident. And it's a process that you grow in inch by inch, step by step. You'll experience more and more just like that pool as it gradates, it transitions from shallow into deep. It's not just one step out and now you're in the deep. No, God is gentle and he is kind and he will guide us slowly but surely, inch by inch and step by step, come out into the deep. And listen, we're not talking about proving and earning salvation. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about having received salvation. Do I want to experience the life of power? 
Because if I do, then there's a prerequisite, and the prerequisite is surrender. Lord, show us the areas in our lives where we're not surrendered. Make it clear to us so that the choice is black and white. And it's my prayer that when the choice is made black and white, Lord, that we always choose you. Because nothing in this world even remotely compares. I want to encourage you, you who are listening, those who might be in a situation that looks bleak. Something might feel like it's fading away and withering. Something might be robbing your peace or your joy. Something where you're asking God, why did you do it this way? Why are you moving this way? And though you might feel like he's distant, his authority, his power is potent enough to resuscitate your situation, resuscitate your hope. It's potent enough to to turn things around. Remember the centurion who asked Jesus to come and pray over the servant in his house. This is in Luke chapter 7. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The centurion asked Jesus to come. And as Jesus was approaching from a distance, he said, please don't come. I feel unworthy having you under my roof. And, and he said to Jesus, just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go. And he goes and to another, come. And he comes. The centurion recognized that there was a power that Jesus walked in, the backing of heaven that he had access to move in because Jesus was surrendered to the will of his father. You'll never find a place in scripture where Jesus deviated from the will of God. Never. And so the centurion said, listen, I understand because I, I'm, I'm an official in the army and I have the power to say to this one, do it. And he does it and say to this one, go and he goes. But he's not doing it just because of who I am. He's doing it because of the authority I have, my place in the Roman army. I have the backing of the army behind me. And that what the situation responds to. So you might look like your situation is bleak and, 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 and it's already dead and it's already over. And I'm telling you, you and I have access by relationship with Christ, we have access to power that is potent enough to turn it around, not just because of who we are as individuals. No, because we've abandoned claim to our own allegiance. We've come into relationship through surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We're seated in a power, authoritative position with him in heaven, and we have the backing of the will of God working on our behalf. And if the petition that we have laid at his feet If he chooses for any reason to go a different direction, then we have to bend our agenda. We have to continue to demonstrate our surrender by walking in obedience. And we have to trust that the same God who works in power for us will work a work of power in us, sustaining us and helping us through. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I ask that you pour out yourself on every listener. Lord, come in and meet the need wherever they are, whatever it is. To the brokenhearted, be their comfort. To those wracked with fear and anxiety, be their peace. Father, for those who are so tired, rejuvenate them. As we seek you, draw near. 
We thank you in advance that you are our ever-present help. We thank you in advance that you are. You fill in the blank. You are whatever we need. And by your spirit, help us to walk out into the deep in close relationship with you, trusting you at every single turn. In this I pray in your name. Amen. Listen, if you want access to any of our free resources, they are available at everydaychristlike.com. I pray that God blesses you as you continue to seek him throughout this week. We're going to be covering all things Overcomer throughout the month of September. I ask you to join us again 6 p.m. every Thursday as we update with new content at everydaychristlike.com. God bless you.